0: Season 3, Episode 2. I Know. Welcome to Breakthrough, Waking Up to the Real You. I am your host, Alejandra Vivanco. Thank you for joining me today. Last week, I shared with you a little bit of my grandma's life and the unexpected painful events she had to endure as a mother. How the death of her daughter took her on an emotionally and mentally draining journey where she was controlled by grief and defined by loss. I am not making the case to dismiss anyone's pain. I am not trying to convince anyone that losing someone is not as bad as it may seem. I am merely suggesting adding a little bit of detachment and perspective to the word death when it touches our lives. I am trying to communicate the need for space between the event and our reaction. It is a shocking and painful experience, even if it was expected to happen at some point due to health complications. But we need to be aware of the fact that our mortality is something we all share, and taking death personal does nothing to help us move forward. Now, I am not saying detach from any event in your life either. It is just a conversation I want to have where we can all find balance between these two extremes. A place where we gracefully let others go when their time comes and continue our lives despite their departure in a healthy, conscious way. The grieving process may take years, and that is perfectly fine. But what you do in the meantime and after that needs some attention too. When my aunt passed away, it was a shock, but not at all. We all lived in this contradiction for less than a year where we had rationalized the fact that she was getting worse, but were not emotionally there yet because she was still alive. My grandmother's grief is still alive today, 15 years later. An undisputed pain that no one should judge. Unfortunately, I made this realization way too late. Sometimes when we lose someone we love, it changes us forever. It changes the way we think, feel, view life, and act. It hurts so deep the fact that they are gone that we cannot grasp the concept of them no longer existing in our lives. We go back in time and rethink every word and event that happened and nitpick what could have been done or said to repair the relationship if broken. We have a need to control the past in order to feel better in the present moment. We can lose ourselves. We may feel like a part of our identity is gone. The role we fulfilled in their lives doesn't exist anymore. Sometimes we don't know who we are. My grandmother, as the main matriarch of both families, set the example of how a woman should be. She had a list of expectations of every one of her kids and was keen on them fulfilling them to reaffirm her success as a parent. For the youngest, who was the last one to leave the nest, she wanted her to be a mother and be married, primarily because she thought that was best for her but underneath lied a need for others to stop pointing fingers at her daughter as a spinster or unwedded woman that still lived in her parents' house in her 30s. When this professionally successful woman found the man to marry, it was a time full of excitement. Even better when she gave birth to her first and only child. But all of those hopes and expectations came crashing down when she died. Deep down, my grandmother felt like she had failed, and this young child, her grandson, was failed in life because of her mother's absence. So her need to be the model matriarch came to the forefront. And she did what she knew best. She took it upon herself to impose control over her grandkids' life and fulfill that mother role. She felt guilty that her daughter was gone and a child was in need of a mother. She was going to make sure that she rose to the occasion and did right by him. But what happens when even though our intentions may seem pure, they are driven by fear and pain? Remember that even though some acts can be perceived as noble, they may not have other people's best interest at heart. My family's culture is full of women that feel sorry for everybody. There is an internalized idea that all of us younger folks are not able to be successful. This doesn't come from a place of hate. It comes from a place of fear. The fear of failure. All of the matriarchs inherited the need to compensate and minimize everyone's pain, even if they had to snatch that pain away from others and make it their own. They would all say their intentions were good, but the results were disastrous. This behavior can leave behind men and women that are not willing or capable to push through life because they are still attached to the woman behind them that can assist to the point of taking over their life's challenges in an attempt to make it better. Life is challenging, and by overcoming these obstacles, we will develop character and become courageous. A small victory in this life makes us feel good because we feel like we have conquered the fear of the unknown little by little. Remember, the more successful the kids are, the more successful the parents are perceived. In this culture of feeling sorry for everyone that has come into this world, Having the youngest daughter die and leave her only child to fend for himself, motherless, put everyone on high alert. In this environment, it felt right to my grandma to become the mother. Have you ever heard people say that grandparents cannot be the parents of a child? They may have had amazing abilities to raise their children, And even some grandparents today are raising their grandkids in a remarkably effective manner. But the responsibility of raising the kids belongs to the parents. That is how they grow too, if allowed. The mistakes they make with their first kid may not be made with the second one if attention was paid. Parents will understand that every child is an individual and they will learn from each other. But when we are of a particular age and are still silently grieving the loss of a child, chances are we will not see what is in front of us. We will project our fear and pain hoping to fulfill what we felt could not be because the mother was taken too soon. We may have pure intentions to help others. We want the best for our loved ones. But we cannot control everyone's lives for the sake of their well-being because we will inflict more pain and create more trauma. Our controlling ways are not creating positive outcomes. But we are blinded by the fact that we want to make it better. It is no longer about them. It is about us and how we feel. My grandmother was able to get her grandson to live in her house. No nanny that was helping the father was good enough for her. She was very judgmental about the people close to her youngest grandchild. With money, power, and an absentee father, she got her way. She created a space for the father to take advantage of the situation, and he let her have her way while he was already creating a new family. He remarried and had a kid. He never stood a chance against the matriarch of the family, not because he couldn't, but because he wouldn't. My grandmother felt like she had my cousin's best interest at heart, and she knew best. She had raised everybody in the family, one more kid would not make a difference. But at 80 years old, this way of thinking needed to be reconsidered. She had already made up her mind, as the martyr of the family, that she was going to solve the pain of her grandkid and be the mother he never had. The problem was that she did not give herself the space to become the grandmother he needed. As the only kid left, he was isolated in his own world and given everything he needed in the material realm because my grandmother had no energy to keep up with his needs and wants. This led him on a self-destructive path where, until this day, some wonder how it happened. As you can see, grief combined with ideas and the best intentions can create the worst results. Any negative emotion combined with best intentions can do that. Just because we think we know best doesn't mean we do. Instead, we need to ask others what they really want or need before imposing ourselves in their lives and acting like we are there to save them. We need to assist them in becoming more capable and courageous to deal with this life because we will not be there forever. We will be gone eventually. We cannot make them depend on us. Nobody should depend on our presence to survive. Just like my cousin's father, who depended on my grandmother's money and willingness to take care of his son, he eventually became dependent on her to help him. But when the cycle ends, he will have to face the music and deal with how his absence in this now teenager's life has affected him. It was too convenient for him to become a lazy parent and take a step back from his son's life in order to start a brand new family. He participated in this agreement where he had no responsibilities whatsoever. His intentions were as selfish as my grandma's. He didn't want the best for his son. He was only thinking about what was best for him. He may have thought for a moment that my grandmother could give my cousin a better life. But deep down, he was happy to have a kid who needed mental help and medication to be taken away from his house and become someone else's problem. This allowed the family to feel sorry for this kid, who had lost his mom, to take over his life and control it. In the end, the family didn't come together. It fell apart. My grandfather was already gone, so my grandmother couldn't teach him rules and assist him in growing. She made him a part of her pain, and in that well-intentioned quest of saving him, she alienated him and broke him. As a 30-year-old woman, I am aware that all of us in the family have judged my grandmother for her actions. We wanted to save her from this newfound role as a mother to her grandson, because we saw how violent my cousin was becoming, but we all failed. And some of us attempted to pay for trips and take her out, but her mind was always worried about what was happening at home. It was futile, but it was also unfair. Our well-intentions clouded our judgment and we disrespected the matriarch of the family by doing what she was doing. Imposing our hopes and dreams for her life and trying to control her happiness instead of understanding her pain. I wrote her a letter the old-fashioned way and apologized because we didn't know what we had done. We never asked how she was. We expected only for her to do. We were stuck in the world of ideas instead of facing the reality of the situation and giving her the space she needed to do what she thought best regardless of outcome. We, just like her, were motivated by intentions based on ideas from 20 years ago instead of dealing with the present moment. What I would like for you to take away from this story is that we all grieve differently, and we cannot control when someone gets over something. Sometimes they may never do. We have to understand and deal with what is standing right in front of us and have a conversation about it instead of imposing what should be done or how life should be lived at a certain age. We must accept that we do not know. Furthermore, we need to detach ourselves from our intentions because if not we will blindly follow what we think needs to be done instead of doing what is needed in this specific moment, which can change any minute now. Even though our intentions are good, they may not be the best for the person or situation we're dealing with. That is why it is important to listen to one another before anything is said or done. We cannot live our lives expecting for others to follow what we think is best for them. We can suggest it and talk about it, but we are all independent humans that can make decisions freely without having to justify them to one another. Assist others in saying what they want or how they feel before you come in and try to save them from themselves. Sometimes, some people do not want to be saved, and that should be respected as well. Thank you for sticking through the end. Make sure to subscribe so you never miss an episode. It takes a village, but it starts with you. And with that I say, till next time, bye!